Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the afterlife, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Sign number 39, the Arabian Peninsula becomes gardens with flowing rivers again. Again is a key word. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam يقول لا تقوم الساعة حتى تعود أرض العرب مروجا وأنهارا رواه مسلم الإمام مسلم narrates that the day of judgment will not occur until the land of the Arabs becomes gardens and rivers and the land of the Arabs is the Arabian Peninsula even though now the Arabs live in a wider geographic area but the hadith is talking about particularly the Arabian Peninsula which was the land of the Arabs at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu it is the peninsula surrounded by the Red Sea and the Persian Sea and the Indian Ocean. It's the peninsula. It's desert, mostly desert, because in the south in Yemen and in the northern parts there is some greenery, but mostly it is desert. And the empty quarter and the Sahara and the food, the northern Arabia, large desert, is sand dunes, and the empty quarter is a place in the world where nothing can grow. Rub' al-Khali is a place where nothing can grow. It is sand dunes. And that's why it's called the Rub' al-Khali, the empty quarter. This desert, Rasulullah says, a day will come when it will become green with rivers flowing. And Rasulullah said, Ta'ud, it will return. Meaning that it was like that before. And this is a scientific miracle of hadith. Because with modern technology and imaging, and scientists were able to find out that the empty quarter and some other parts of the Arabian Peninsula were forests with rivers flowing beneath. And these are parts of the land of Ad and other kingdoms that existed. And they say that that was... Allah alam exactly, it could have been in more than one time, but one time when the, this did exist was towards the end of the Ice Age. Because in the Ice Age the northern parts of the world and the southern parts of the world were capped with ice. The area of Arabia was like a tropical forest then because it was receiving a lot of rain. Until the glaciers subsided and went north and south, then the tropical forest went to different directions and that area remained as a desert. But now they're finding that in Rub' al-Khali, in the eastern parts of Yemen and the southeast parts of Saudi Arabia, they're finding that there are traces of rivers. And they can see that Allah with the using the satellite imaging. That there are basins, actually not traces, basins of rivers, which were an indication of large amounts of water that were flowing through it. How will this happen, happen again? Allah It could be through climate changes, which would make that area receive a lot of rain again. Or it could be through technological advances, advancements, that would make it possible to irrigate all of that land and turn it into gardens again. And Allah, we don't know which one would happen, or there could be other alternatives of how this could happen. But this is something that Allah did not happen yet. Some of them want to say that this is occurring now in places like, for example, Saudi Arabia and Emirates, where a lot of money is spent on agriculture, but it didn't get to the level where it's all green. Yes, there's a lot of greenery and a lot of agriculture that is happening in areas that are desert, but we cannot say that Arabia now 
is gardens flowing with rivers. Sign number 40, the sky rains but nothing grows. There will be a lot of rain, but nothing will grow. Rasulullah says, لا تقوم الساعة حتى يمطر الناس مطرا عاما ولا تنبت الأرض شيئا رواه أحمد Rasulullah says, the day of judgment will not occur until rain would fall over the people. Mataran Amman meaning a very widespread rain. Rain that is all over. And people will receive all of this rain, but nothing will grow. Al-Ard The earth does not want to grow anything. That's why Rasulullah said, As-Sana, which is the word used for drought. Rasulullah said, it is not lack of rain, but it is lack of plants growing from the earth. Therefore, there will be a time when the problem is not drought, there will be a lot of rain coming down from the sky, but nothing will grow. The earth is not receiving any more blessings. Maybe the people have corrupted the world so much that the rain that is falling down is not rain, but it's acid rain. Allah alam. Sign number 41. An Abi Huraira qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yushiku al-furatu an yahsira an kenzin min dhahab, فَمَنْ حَضَرَهُ فَلَا يَأْخُذْ مِنْهُ شَيْئًا رواه Bukhari. Al-Bukhari narrates that Rasulullah said a time will come when the Euphrates River will reveal a mountain of gold. When the water, the water will recede in the Euphrates River. So the level of the water would recede and it would uncover a mountain of gold. Rasulullah says, if you are there, if you see it, don't take anything from it. Don't touch it. It's a mountain of gold. You might say, good rizq, let's go and take something. Make me rich for the rest of my life. Rasulullah says, don't take anything from it. The reason why Rasulullah is warning the people not to touch it is mentioned in the following hadith narrated by Muslim. An Abi Huraira, anna Rasulullah قال, la taqum hatta yahsir al-furatu عن جبل من ذهب يقتتل الناس عليه فيقتل من كل مئة تسعة وتسعون ويقول كل رجل منهم لعلي أكون أنا الذي أنجو وصلى الله عليه وسلم says the day of judgment will not occur until the Euphrates river would recede and reveal a mountain of gold people would fight on that mountain they're going to fight and out of every 199 will be killed and every one of them is saying I'm the one who will be safe. And that always happens with greed. Greedy people, they always assume it's not going to happen to them. They're not going to be caught. When people go and steal, they're under the assumption that it's not going to happen to me. But then it does happen to them. They're caught by the police and they get in trouble. Greed blinds these people. They are fighting on this mountain and Rasulullah says out of every 199 will be killed. And this always is a problem with greed and desires. And out of this greed, we find that it's causing the people to die. And out of every 199 are dead. Rasulullah says, don't touch it, don't take anything from it. Leave it. Don't go close to it. Sign number 42. Animals and objects speaking. Some animals would speak and some objects would speak. And this hadith is narrated by Ahmed. An Abi Sa'id al-Khudri qala, عاد الذئب على شات فأخذها فطلبه الراعي فانتزعها منه فأقع الذئب على ذنبه قال ألا تتق الله تنزع مني رزقا ساقه الله إلي This happened in the time of Rasulullah Abu Sa'id al-Khudri 
says that there was a shepherd with his sheep and a wolf attacked and grabbed one of the goats or sheep and ran away with it. So the shepherd followed the wolf and grabbed the sheep away from the wolf. So the wolf sat on its back, on its tail. So it sat just like a human being would sit, sitting on the back legs with the front uh, legs up in the air. And the wolf said, Ittaqillah, fear Allah. You are taking away from me food that was sent to me by Allah. Ittaqillah, it's telling the shepherd, have fear of Allah. You are taking away from me food that was sent to me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Ra'i said, Ya Ajabi, ذِئْبٌ مُقْعٍ عَلَى ذَنَبِهِ يُكَلِّمُنِي كَلَامِ الْإِنسِ The shepherd said, this is amazing. A wolf sitting down on his tail, speaking to me like a human being. The wolf said, فَقَالَ الذِّئْبُ أَلَا أُخْبِرُكَ بِأَعْجَبَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ مُحَمَّدٌ صلى الله عليه وسلم بيثرب يُخْبِرُ النَّاسَ بِأَنْبَاءِ مَا قَدْ سَبَقْ The wolf said, I will tell you with something more amazing. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is in Yathib and he's teaching the people about the news of the nations before. That's even more amazing that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is receiving the revelation from Allah and is teaching the people about the nations of the earlier times. The Ra'i, the shepherd was shocked. He wasn't a Muslim yet. So he immediately went to Medina. فَأَقْبَلَ الرَّاعِي يَسُوقُ غَنَمَهُ حَتَّى دَخَلَ الْمَدِينَةِ He took all of his sheep and he went to Al-Madinah. ثُمَّ أَتَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَأَخْبَرَهُ And then he went to Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم and told him what happened. فَأَمَرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَنُودِيَ بِالصَّلَاةِ فَنُودِيَ الصَّلَاةُ جَامِعَةً ثُمَّ and he told them, and then Rasulullah said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَا تَقُومُ السَّاعَةِ حَتَّى يُكَلِّمَ السِّبَاعُ الْإِنسِ وَيُكَلِّمَ الرَّجُلَ عَذَبَةُ صَوْتِهِ وَشِرَاكُ نَعْلِهِ وَيُخْبِرَهُ فَخِذُهُ بِمَا أَحْدَثَ أَهْلُهُ بَعْدَهِ Rasulullah says, the day of judgment will not occur until beasts would speak to the humans and the cane would speak to the man and the shoelaces or the the leather on the shoes would speak to you and your legs would speak to you about what your family are doing. Rasulullah is saying that the time will come when things, some things, this doesn't mean that everything will speak, that some animals would speak to humans. People used to carry sometimes a whip with them. It will speak but it could be representing something else. And it could be, for example, representing mobile phones, cell phones, whips everybody's carrying with them. And your leg would also, the thigh would speak and the shoes would speak. And Allah Alam, we usually take the literal meaning of the hadith that these things would actually speak. But it's, Allah Alam, it could also be talking about new inventions that would make what seems to be a whip in your hand talk and spying devices which people would use to spy on their wives and wives spying on their husbands could be hidden in the thigh or in the shoes we have now they have they're, they're marketing some of these spying devices but when it comes to the animals animals it will be a miracle that they would speak and also as i said 
we usually go with the literal meaning of the hadith that this, these things would speak unless there's an evidence otherwise. So the actual shoe and the thigh would talk. This hadith is narrated by Ahmed. Sign number 43. The desire of dying. An Abi Hurairah. An al-Nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal la taqumu al-sa'ah hatta yamurra al-rajul biqabri al-rajul fayaqulu ya laytani makana. Rawah al-Bukhari. Al-Bukhari narrates that Rasulullah said, a time will come when a man will pass by a grave and will say, I wish I was there instead of you. I wish I was the one in that grave. That is how severe the conditions would be. That is because of the hardship that the people are going through. These will be miserable times when people will desire to die. And another hadith narrated by Muslim, عن أبي هريرة قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والذي نفسي بيده لا تذهب الدنيا حتى يمر الرجل على القبر فيتمرغ عليه ويقول يا ليتني كنت مكان صاحب هذا القبر وليس به الدين إلا البلاء. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says in this hadith narrated by Muslim, a time will come when a man will pass next to a grave and put dirt over their faces and and throw their faces into the earth and say, I wish I was in this grave. And Rasulullah says, it is not because of debt. It's not because they are in great debt. Because we find now, when this uh, stock market crashed in East Asia, what happened? Many people committed suicide. Why? Because they became in big debt. So they were jumping from their offices. These rich brokers were throwing themselves from these high-rise buildings. Therefore, debt is a disaster, but Rasulullah says these people, it is not because of death, it's not because of money. It is because of al-bala, it is because of hardship. Ibn Mas'ud says, سَيَأْتِي عَلَيْكُمْ زَمَانٍ لَوْ وَجَدَ أَحَدُكُمْ الْمَوْتِ لَشْتَرَى Ibn Mas'ud says, a time will come when if death was sold, you would buy it. People would desire death so much that if death was sold, people would go and pay money to get it. And Al-Hafidh Al-Iraqi has an interesting commentary on this hadith. He says that, it is not unusual to find people desiring death in any time. There are some people who want to die. But when people see death, when they see somebody dying, and when they see cemeteries, and when they see a grave, they don't feel like dying anymore. Sometimes people have desire to die, but when you see death in front of your face, and when you see a grave, subhanAllah, naturally we hate death. Al-Iraqi says, for them to go to a grave, and see death with their own eyes and see the grave and desire death, that tells you that they're really in bad situation. For them to see death in front of their eyes and see people dead and desire it, that really tells you that they are going through miserable times. That's Allah salama. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for security. And by the way, these trials and tribulations are either a test for the people or a punishment. They could be a test or a punishment for the people. We move on to sign number 44. The population of the Romans increases. قال المستورد القرشي عند عمر بن العاص سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول تقوم الساعة والروم أكثر الناس. رواه مسلم. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said in the hadith narrated by Muslim, the day of judgment will occur and the Romans are the largest nation in terms of number. And who are the Romans? The Romans are the Europeans which would extend to America and Canada and whoever ancestry they have in Latin America. These are the Romans. They used to be called in that time Romans. 
the people from the Caucasian, people from Europe. Rasulullah said the Day of Judgment will occur and they are the majority in terms of population numbers. Now what does that hadith mean? Is that a negative sign, a positive sign? What does it mean exactly? Allah Alam. Are they Muslim? They're not Muslim? We don't know. It's just a sign that Rasulullah mentioned. Now we find that there is a great decline in population in Europe. Some countries in Europe are going through a population decline. Like the growth in some countries in Europe is negative. Like in Italy and some countries, the number is decreasing. So subhanAllah, these are changes that are not happening yet. Something will happen. Maybe they're going to blow up the world with nuclear weapons. And they are going to be the only people who are alive. Allah Alam. But in terms of population, now, a Rome doesn't imply that they're, they're non-Muslim. They could be Muslim. And we'll talk about some ahadith in sign number 45 uh, that would indicate that at least some of the Romans at that time are going to be Muslim. Sign number 45 is the battles with the Romans. And we explained what the Romans mean. Romans are the was the political entity that was ruling over Europe and uh, many parts of the Middle East in the time of Rasulullah The world at that time was divided into two superpowers, the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire. The Persian Empire used to rule Iraq and Eastern Arabia, some parts of Eastern Arabia. They used to rule Iran and many of the uh, Central Asian areas were under the dominance of the Persian Empire. And then the Roman Empire used to rule over modern-day Turkey and Syria, Palestine, Jordan, Lebanon, and some parts of maybe the western parts of Iraq. And then they used to rule over Eastern Europe. That was the Eastern Roman Empire, which was the Byzantines. And then there was the Roman Empire with a capital in Rome, in Italy. Therefore, a Rom today would be Europe and as we said the extensions of Europe or the West and this hadith that we're going to talk about has indicates two things it indicates that there will be big battles in the future between Muslims and the ones who are called Romans that's number one and it also mentions or indicates that there will be a lot of them who are Muslim there will be a political entity which the Muslims are fighting with. But in the same time, there will be many of them, Romans, who are fighting with the Muslim. They are Muslims. And this shows that Islam will spread in the West. It will spread. This hadith is in Bukhari. We have a few hadith. The first hadith is the hadith we talked about earlier. We talked about parts of it. When Rasulullah said, count six signs before the Day of Judgment. One of them, ثُمَّ هُدْنَ تَكُونُ بَيْنَكُمْ وَبَيْنَ بَنِي الْأَصْفَرِ فَيَغْدِرُونَ فَيَأْتُونَكُمْ تَحْتَ ثَمَانِينَ غَايَةٍ تَحْتَ كُلِّ غَايَةٍ إِثْنَا عَشَرَ أَلْفًا Rasulullah says, there will be a treaty, a peace agreement between you and the Romans. So the Muslims are going to be in a state of peace, truce between the Muslims and the Romans. There will be Hudna. Hudna is a truce. And then they will break up that peace pact, that agreement. And war would start between 
the Muslims and the Romans, and they are the ones who are going to attack. And Rasulullah says they will attack you under 80 Raya. Raya means the banner. That means that there will be 80 armies that will join together. Every army is 12,000. So you multiply 80 by 12,000, you get 960,000. That's a big, big army. Raya can also be uh, translated as battalion. So they would come under 80 battalions. Every battalion has 12,000. These are 80 groups. Every group is 12,000. And they would come together in one army, 960,000. And they would attack the Muslims. The next hadith, عن نافع بن عتبة قال كنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزوة قال فأتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قوم من قبل المغرب عليهم ثياب الصوف فوافقوه عند أكمة فإنهم لقيام ورسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قاعد قال فقالت لنفسي ائتهم فقم بينهم وبينه لا يغتالونه قال ثم قلت لعله نجي معهم فأتيتهم فقمت بينهم وبينه قال فحفظت منه أربع كلمات أعدهن في يدي قال تغزون جزيرة العرب فيفتحها الله ثم فارس فيفتحها الله ثم تغزون الروم فيفتحها الله ثم تغزون الدجال فيفتحه الله فقال نافع يا جابر لا نرى الدجال يخرج حتى تفتح الروم رواه مسلم In this hadith Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم says that you will have war with the Arabian Peninsula تغزون means you go in battles you will have battles with the Arabs in the Arabian Peninsula and you would win and then you would have battles with the Persians and you would win Allah would give you victory and then you would fight with the Romans and Allah will give you victory and then you would fight at Dajjal and Allah will give you victory so Nafa, he's a companion of Rasulullah he's talking to another Sahabi Jabir He's telling him, therefore, a Dajjal will not come until our war with the Romans is over. So Dajjal comes last. And uh, this hadith doesn't necessarily mean that these events are following each other exactly. There could be hundreds of years between them. Because we know that the Arabian Peninsula was opened in the time of Rasulullah By the time Rasulullah died, all of the Arabian Peninsula was already uh, under Islamic rule. And then the Persian Empire was under Islamic rule in the time of Umar al-Khattab. And then there were many battles with the Romans. But they are not over yet. And there is a hadith, although it's not, it might not be very strong. Rasulullah says, Faris, natha wa nathatan. Wa amma al-Rum, fadat al-Qurun, kullama inkasara qarn, dahara laha qarn akhar. Rasulullah said, with the Persian Empire, it will be two knocks. Natha means uh, when uh, a ram with horns hits something, that's called natha, when it bumps something with its head. Rasulullah said, with the Persian Empire, you would bump it twice and it would be over with. But with the Romans, that Al-Qurun, they have many horns. Whenever one horn is broken, another horn would come up. And that, subhanAllah, has been the case. With the Persian Empire, it was two major battles and it was over. The first battle was Al-Qadisiyah, and the second battle was Nahawand, and that was over with. The Persian Empire fell down. But with the Roman Empire, we find that it has been an endless series of conflicts. The Muslims fought with the Roman Empire throughout the time of the Khulafa al-Rashidun. It started in the time of Rasulullah ﷺ, in the Battle of Tamuk and Mu'tah. 
was with the Roman Empire. And then in the time of Abu Bakr, he sent Usama bin Zayd against the Roman Empire. And then Umar ibn Khattab fought with them. And then Uthman. And then Ali, uh, in the time of Muawiyah again. And it continued throughout the period of Al-Khilaf al-Amawiyah. And then in the time of Al-Abbasiyin. And the Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantine Roman Empire only fell down the hand of Muhammad al-Fatih. But then the Western Roman Empire came up and started fighting against the Ottoman Empire. Centuries of existence it was fighting with the Roman Empire. And then the occupation of the Muslim land was done through the European states, Britain and France and Italy. Therefore it has been a long series. Whenever one horn is broken, another horn would grow up. The next hadith is in Muslim. عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تقوم الساعة حتى ينزل الروم بالأعماق أو بدابق فيخرج إليهم جيش من المدينة من خيار أهل الأرض يومئذ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says the day of judgment will not occur until the Romans go to Al-Amaq or Dabaq this is in Syria so an army from Medina would go out to meet them and Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم says they are the best people of the earth at that time فإذا تصافوا قالت الروم خلوا بيننا وبين الذين سبوا منا نقاتلهم when they line up for war the romans will say hand us over the ones who were taken as prisoners of war from us there were romans who broke off from the army or have been taken as prisoners of war by the muslims and now the Romans are asking the Muslims to hand them over so that they can kill them. Why? Because they have become Muslim. These are factions from the Roman army who became Muslim. And the Romans are asking the Muslims to give them back so that they can kill them. And the Muslims will say, لا والله لا نخلي بينكم وبين إخواننا. The Muslims will say, we are never going to hand you over our brothers. So see, Islam makes them now brothers. Even though they were enemies and fighting, but now because of Islam they became brothers and the Muslims said we're not going to hand them over to you. These are now our brothers, they became Muslim. We're not going to hand them over to you. فَيُقَاتِلُونَهُمْ فَيَنْهَزِمُوا ثُلُثٌ لَا يَتُوبُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ أَبَدًا The war will start. And it will be a vicious battle. And the Roman army will be an extremely powerful and strong army. During this battle, one third of the Muslim army are going to run away. That's how tough the war will be. Rasulullah says these are the ones whom Allah will never accept their tawbah. This one third that will retreat, لا يتوب الله عليهم أبدا. Allah forgive them. Because one of the major sins is التولي من الزحف. One of the major sins is showing your back to the enemy and running away. Except if it is a tactical retreat, otherwise it is one of the major sins. وَيُقْتَلُ ثُلُثُهُمْ أَفْضَلُ الشُّهَدَاءِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And one-third of the army of the Muslims will be killed. And these are the best shuhada in the eyes of Allah. Martyrdom. They are the best. وَيَفْتَتِحُ الثُلُثُ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ أَبَدًا And then the third leftover part of the Muslim army, they are the ones who will be victorious. And Rasulullah ﷺ says about them, لَا يُفْتَنُونَ أَبَدًا They will never go astray. These are ones, they will win, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them thabat on religion. Allah will give them steadfastness, so they will never go astray after that. Rasulullah says, فَيَفْتَتِحُونَ قُسْتَنْطِينِيَّةِ They will open Constantinople. Constantinople, which is Istanbul now. Istanbul has been opened by Muhammad al-Fatih earlier, 
but things will change. Time will change, though the Muslims would open it again after this battle with the Romans. So it seems that the Roman Empire has taken over some parts of the Muslim world. فَبَيْنَمَا هُمْ يَقْتَسِمُونَ الْغَنَائِمْ قَدْ عَلَّقُوا سُيُوفَهُمْ بِالزَّيْتُونَ إِذْ صَاحَ فِيهِمُ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّ الْمَسِيحَ قَدْ خَلَفَكُمْ فِي أَهْلِيكُمْ They will hear a news after that that Al-Masih came out and this is talking about Al-Masih al-Dajjal, the false Messiah. This shows you that these events are very close to the time of Al-Dajjal. And then Rasulullah says, فَيَنزِلُ عِيسَى بِنْ مَرْيَمْ Then Isa alayhi salam, the messenger of Allah, would descend. Finally, another hadith, عن أبي الدرداء, this hadith, by the way, which we just talked about, is narrated in Muslim. عن أبي الدرداء أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن فستات المسلمين يوم الملحمة بالغوطة إلى جانب مدينة يقال لها دمشق من خير مدائن الشام رواه أبو داود أبو الدرداء says that رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said that the فستات of المسلمين فستات is a big tent and it is used to mean the Muslim camp the camp for the army so the Muslim camp will be in الغوطة Al-Ghuta is outside, Rasulullah says, outside or next to a town called Damascus. And Rasulullah said Damascus is of the best of the towns of Asham in that time. Therefore, the base, the military base of the Muslims will be next to uh, Damascus. Sign number 46, the opening of Constantinople. An Abi Hurairah. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال سمعتم بمدينة جانب منها في البر وجانب منها في البحر قالوا نعم يا رسول الله قال لا تقوم الساعة حتى يغزوها سبعون ألفا من بني إسحاق فإذا جاءوها نزلوا فلم يقاتلوا بسلاح ولم يرموا بسهم قالوا لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر فيسقط أحد جانبيها قال ثور لا أعلمه إلا قال الذي في البحر ثم يقول الثانية لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر فيسقط جانبها الآخر ثم يقول الثالثة لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر فيفرج لهم فيدخلونها فيغنموا فبينما هم يقتسمون المغانم إذ جاءهم الصريخ فقال إن الدجال قد خرج فيتركون كل شيء ويرجعون رواه مسلم أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه says that رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم was asked the Sahaba do you know about a city where half of it is in the sea and half of it is in land. The Sahaba said yes. If it wasn't for the interpretation of the scholars, one would assume that this town would be one of the towns of Europe that has a part in the sea and part in land, like for example in Italy, Venice. Venice, a, part, a portion of it is in the sea and a portion is inland. But all of the scholars of Hadith said that this Hadith is talking about Constantinople. And uh, the way to interpret that is that Istanbul, part of it is in, in Asia and part of it is in Europe. And there's the uh, Bosphorus that goes between. So there's a European side and there's a, the Asian side. Uh, so the town is divided. And there is a strait that goes between the two halves of Istanbul. Uh, therefore, Rasulullah said part of it is in land and part of it is in the sea. But the scholars of Hadith, they say that this is talking about Constantinople. Rasulullah says the Day of Judgment will not occur until 70,000 from the descendants of Ishaq will attack it. Rasulullah says when they arrive there, they will not fight with any weapon. They will say, La ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. So the first half of it will fall down. 
And then they would say another time, La ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. And the second half would fall down. And then the third time they would say, La ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. They will open the whole town and they will enter it. So these 70,000 descendants of Ishaq, who are they? Okay, the Jews are descendants of Ishaq. The uh, scholars of hadith like Ibn Kathir and, uh, and Nawawi and others, they say that this is talking about Romans who are Muslim. And the Muslim uh, early historians, they classify the Romans as descendants of Ishaq. You would find that in the early Islamic books written by Muslim historians, they say that the Romans are descendants of Al-Is bin Ishaq. Therefore, this hadith would be talking about Muslim Romans who are part of the general Muslim army. They are the ones who are going to go to Istanbul, Constantinople, and open it. Could be Jews who became Muslim also. Because Rasulullah said they're descendants of Ishaq and they are Muslim. Because they're opening it with dhikr. They're saying, La ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. And Allah alam. Or it could be people who are living in that area. Because as we said, the land of Turkey, uh, Asia Minor, used to be part of the Byzantine Empire. So maybe some of the people who are living there and are now Muslim, they are the ones who will open Istanbul again, the second time. Wallah And again, uh, dear brothers and sisters, when we're talking about the signs of the Day of Judgment, we're talking about ghayb. We're talking about future events which are unknown. All what we know is the literal meaning of the hadith. Therefore, the interpretation of the scholars of this, it could be right and it could be wrong. Because these are future events which only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And the purpose of these hadith is not to draw a map for us of the future and tell us exactly what will happen. But the purpose of these hadith, number one, to show the miracle of Islam. The miracle of the hadith of Rasulullah that these are events that were not known to anybody and they happened according to the wording of Rasulullah That's number one. The second reason for these hadith is that they serve as bisharat for the believers. These are hadith of good news for us. Many of them are hadith of good news for us, so they give us confidence and strength in religion. And they also help as indicators in the future. Because in the time of fitan, in the time of difficulties, we would need guidance. Because things would get very tough and difficult in some periods of, of the future. Things would be very difficult. Therefore, this hadith would serve as milestones and guidance for us in that time. But we can uh, never for sure know exactly what they mean until they happen. Like for example, the hadith of a fire that would come out in Medina, which would show the necks of camels in, in Busra. What does this fire mean? Allah alam. Nobody would know. But until it happened, we knew exactly what it was. It was a volcano. Now, maybe many people never expected or anticipated that this hadith is talking about a volcano. It's because the hadith says fire. A fire that would come out of Medina. People might have imagined a huge fire or something else. But when the event actually happened, we knew for sure what it means. That it was a volcano. And that could also be the understanding with the other ahadith. Wallahu alam. Sign 47, the reign of Al-Qahtani. Rasulullah sallallahu says this in this hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari, لا تقوم الساعة حتى يخرج رجل من قحطان يسوق الناس بعصاه. رواه Al-Bukhari. Rasulullah sallallahu says, 
the hour will not occur. The day of judgment will not occur until a man from Qahtan comes out and he would be pushing the people with his stick. There's another hadith narrated by Ibn Abbas where Rasulullah is talking about al-Khulafa and he says, وَرَجُلٌ مِنْ قَحْطَانٍ كُلُّهُمْ صَالِحٍ And a man that is from Qahtan and all of them are righteous. Because you could get the impression from the first hadith that this is an evil person pushing the people with his stick. But the other hadith says that he is one of the Khulafa, one of the Khulafa and he will be righteous. And Rasulullah specified the man from Qahtan. First of all, who is Qahtan? Qahtan is the ancestor of the Arabs of Yemen. The Arabs of Yemen are descendants of Qahtan. Therefore, this is a man that will come out from Yemen and he will be a Khalifa. And Rasulullah described him as pushing the people with his stick. Meaning that he is very righteous, but he is strict and tough. Because he's pushing the people with his stick. That means that he will be very severe in his punishment against evil. He is a strong, very strong person, and that's why he was described as pushing the people with his stick. Meaning he will rule with strength, but it will be in haq, in truth, and righteousness. And uh, Allah alam, this could be either before the time of Mahdi, but more, most likely it's after the time of Mahdi, wallahu alam. Sign number 48, the war with Al-Yahud, the Jews. This hadith is in Muslim. An Abi Hurairah, Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, La taqumu al-sa'a hatta yuqatil al-Muslimun al-Yahud. The hour will not occur until the Muslims fight with the Jews. And the outcome of this conflict is laid out in this hadith. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, al-Muslimun. حتى يختبئ اليهودي من وراء الحجر والشجر. The Jews would hide behind rocks and trees. فيقول الحجر أو الشجر يا مسلم يا عبد الله هذا يهودي خلفي فتعال فقتله إلا الغرقد فإنه من شجر اليهود. And then the rocks and trees would tell the Muslims, O oh Muslim, O oh servant of Allah, behind me is a Jew, come and kill him. With the exception of شجر الغرقد. Al-Gharqad is a type of tree, a brush, and the Palestinians who come from there, they say that the Yahud are planting a lot of it. Rasulullah says, this plant, this tree, will not give out the information to the Muslim. This tree will not tell the Muslim, oh Muslim behind me is a Jew. And Rasulullah says, فَإِنَّهُ مِنْ شَجَرِ الْيَهُودِ Because this tree is a tree of Al-Yahud, the Jews. And the, as I told you, many of the Palestinians are saying that the Yahud are planting a lot of it now. This hadith is a Muslim. I want to turn your attention to something in this hadith. There have been previous conflicts with Al-Yahud, but they were not done under a clear banner. They were done under nationalism and tribalism. But they were not done under a clear Islamic banner of La ilaha illallah. It hasn't been a war... Uh, by the Muslims against the Yahud. It has been wars led by political uh, governments who have different loyalties. Loyalties not to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the Ummah has not fought yet with the Yahud. And the result of all of these past wars was loss. The Yahud have won in all of them. But over here we notice something different. That the victory is because the Muslims are fighting because they're Muslim. And when the rock and tree is calling the Muslim soldier, it is not calling him as a Palestinian or an Arab or an Indian or whoever. It is saying what? Ya Muslim. Oh Muslim. 
O servant of Allah, this stone and tree does not recognize where you're from. It doesn't know where you came from. It doesn't know where your country, what your country is or what your ethnic background is. All what it knows is that you are Muslim and that you are a servant of Allah. If you are not carrying that identity, if you are fighting under another identity, this stone will not recognize you. It will not know who you are. It only knows you when you carry the identity of Muslim. And it calls you with that name. Sign number 49. Al-Madina, expelling the evil. عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يأتي على الناس زمان يدعو الرجل ابن عمه وقريبه هلم إلى الرخاء هلم إلى الرخاء والمدينة خير لهم لو كانوا يعلمون والذي نفسي بيده لا يخرج منهم أحد رغبة عنها إلا أخلف الله فيها خيرا منه ألا إن المدينة كالكير تخرج الخبيث لا تقوم الساعة حتى تنفي المدينة شرارها كما ينفي الكير خبث الحديد رواه البخاري وصلى الله عليه وسلم says in this hadith narrated by al-Bukhari that a time will come when a man would call his cousin and his relative telling him come to the luxurious life come to the luxurious life this is talking about people from Medina who would go to other lands where life is more luxurious, and they would call their relatives in Medina to come out with them. Leave Medina, come and enjoy life here. There's a better standard of life here. Rasulullah says, Well, Medina to Khairullahum Lawyalamun. Medina is better for them if they know. And then Rasulullah said, In the name of whom my soul is in his hands, in the name of Allah, anyone who leaves Medina and gives it up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replace in Medina someone better than him. If anybody leaves Medina because they don't like it, Allah will bring somebody better and replace them with somebody better in Medina. And then Rasulullah says, Al-Medina is like a furnace that separates the impurities. And Rasulullah says, Medina will expel all of the impurities out. So this man goes out of Medina and he goes to a luxurious place and he starts calling his relatives. Imagine it like people who come from some countries in the world to America. And as soon as they get here and they enjoy the life over here, they start calling their brothers and their relatives to come because it's a better standard of living here. Rasulullah said that the same happened for people in Medina. They would leave Medina and they would go other places and they would call their relatives to leave from Medina. But Rasulullah is saying that Medina is better for them. They knew Medina is better for them. Is this hadith general and it's talking about all times or is it talking about specific times? Al-Qadi Ayyad says that this hadith is specific to the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Imam Al-Nawawi, he says this hadith is specific for the time of Al-Dajjal. These are two opinions. And every one of them has an evidence. Al-Qadi Ayyad has an evidence for his opinion that this is specific, this hadith only applies to the time of Rasulullah and his evidence is this hadith in Bukhari. عن جابر بن عبد الله أن عربيا بايع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم على الإسلام فأصاب الأعرابي وعك بالمدينة فأتى الأعرابي إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله أقلني بيعتي فأبى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم جاءه فقال أقلني بيعتي فأبى 
ثم جاءه فقال أقلني بيعتي فأبى فخرج الأعرابي فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إنما المدينة كالكير تنفي خبثها وينصع طيبها جابر بن عبد الله says that a Bedouin came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and gave him bay'ah, pledge of allegiance on Islam. And then he became sick in Medina. After he gave pledge of allegiance to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he became sick in Medina. So he came back to Rasulullah and said, Oh Rasulullah, excuse me from my pledge. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, No. You gave a pledge of allegiance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you cannot pull out. He came back again and he said, Oh Rasulullah, I want to pull out from that pledge. Rasulullah refused. He came a third time. Rasulullah refused. And then he just left. Rasulullah said, Al-Madina is like a furnace that separates between the good and the bad. And it expels the bad out. Al-Madina has a very rough environment. Even with the standard of the area. The environment in Medina is rough. It is very hot. And it is uh, very dry. And when the Sahaba went from Mecca to Medina, they couldn't handle the weather in Medina. When the Muhajireen immigrated from Mecca to Medina, even though it's very close, but because they were used to a certain atmosphere, when they went to Medina, they became ill. There was a lot of fever. In that time, there was a lot of fever going on in Medina. Sort of like a constant fever that would go on in Medina. Flu or some types of disease. And the Sahaba suffered a lot from it. The Muhajireen, they suffered a lot. The Ansar, they, they handled it. They, that was their uh, city. But the Muhajireen, they suffered a lot because of this. And the news got back to Quraysh that the Muhajireen lost their health and they're weak. And that's why Rasulullah wanted to prove to them when he made Umrah. Rasulullah told the Sahaba to run in the first three uh, rounds of it. Of tawaf. It is Sunnah when you are making Tawaf to run in the first three rounds of it. It is sunnah to do that. And why? Because Rasulullah wanted the Sahaba to show that they're strong. And that the fever of Medina didn't harm them. And then Rasulullah made the dua to push the fever out of Medina. So the fever was pushed out of Medina by the barakah, the blessing of the dua of Rasulullah But still the weather in Medina is rough. So this is the evidence of Al-Qadi Ayyad. He says that this is specific to the time of Rasulullah sallallahu What is the evidence of a Nawawi? Because a Nawawi says this is only in the time of a Dajjal. His evidence is a hadith in Bukhari. An Anas ibn Malik قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يجيء الدجال حتى ينزل في ناحية المدينة ثم ترجف المدينة ثلاث رجفات فيخرج إليه كل كافر ومنافق. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that a Dajjal would come close to Medina because he cannot enter Medina. He would come close to Medina. Medina would shake three times. An earthquake. Three times. And it would push out of it. It would expel every kafir and munafiq. It would expel every non-believer and hypocrite. All of them would leave al-Medina. This is the evidence of a nawawi Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, he says, this hadith is talking about the time of Rasulullah and the time of al-Dajjal together. Some of the other scholars say that this hadith is general. It applies to all time. But then one would ask the question, then how come many of the great Sahaba left? Because we know that uh, many of the Sahaba, like Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Abu Ubaid ibn Jarrah, they left Medina. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he made his capital outside of Medina. He made his capital in Iraq, as the capital of the Islamic State. 
So if this hadith, they say if this hadith was general to all times, would apply to all times, then how come many of the great Sahaba left Medina if they knew that it was the best place for them? Wallahu alam. Therefore, in these periods, the evil people would leave Medina. But there would come a time when Medina would be deserted. When everyone would leave Medina. When Medina would be empty. And this is towards the end of time. This is after the Mahdi and after the blessed time of Isa. This is towards the end of time Medina would be deserted. Rasulullah sallallahu says in the hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari, يَقُولُ يَتْرُكُونَ الْمَدِينَةِ عَلَىٰ خَيْرِ مَا كَانَتْ لَا يَغْشَاهَا إِلَّا الْعَوَافِ يُرِيدُ عَوَافِ السِّبَاعِ وَالطَّيْرِ ثُمَّ يَخْرُجُ رَاعِيَانْ يُرِيدَانَ الْمَدِينَةِ يَنْعِقَانْ بِغَنَمِهِمَا فَيَجِدَانَهَا وَحْشَا حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغَ ثَنِيَّةَ الْوَدَاعِ خَرَّا عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمَا Actually, Muzayna. Rasulullah says, they would leave Medina in its best condition. There's nothing wrong with Medina. It's in its best condition, and people would leave it. And beasts and wild animals would come in. The Medina would be empty to the extent that the wild animals would just come in and birds would come in because the, the town is empty. And then two uh, shepherds from Muzayna would go to Medina with their sheep and they would find it empty and when they reached to Thaniyat al-Wada'a they would die. There's another hadith in Muatta al-Imam Malik narrated by Abu Huraira. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تتركن المدينة على أحسن ما كانت حتى يدخل الكلب أو الذئب فيغذي على بعض سوار المسجد أو على المنبر يغذي يعني يبول فقالوا يا رسول الله فلمن تكون الثمار ذلك الزمان قال للعوافي الطير والسباع This hadith in Muatta al-Imam Malik Abu Hurair رضي الله عنه says that Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم said Al-Madina would be left and deserted in its best condition. So a dog or a wolf would come into the masjid and urinate next to the pillars of the masjid. A dog or a wolf would come in and urinate in the masjid next to a pillar. And or and Rasulullah said, oh, on the member or on the pulpit, on the member. That means that Medina is empty because who would let a dog go into the masjid of Rasulullah on the member? and on, next to the pillars, but that shows you that the town is deserted and empty. So dogs and wolves would come in in the masjid, and they would urinate on the pulpit, and next to the pillars of the masjid. And the Sahaba said, O oh Rasulullah, who would take a thimar, who would harvest the crop? Because Medina was known for its dates and fruits. Rasulullah said they would be left for the animals and birds. Medina would be empty. Now when is this? As I said, this is towards the end of time, and then the Day of Judgment will occur. And there's uh, Ibn Kathir, he says, المقصود أن المدينة تكون باقية عامرة أيام الدجال ثم تكون كذلك في زمن عيسى بن مريم حتى تكون وفاته بها ودفنه بها ثم تعد ذلك. Ibn Kathir says, المدينة would be revived and alive and strong in the time of Dajjal, and the same in the time of عيسى, until عيسى is buried. He dies, he will die in Medina and he would be buried in Medina and then after that Medina would be deserted and would be destroyed. But that is in the end of time when there is no righteous people anymore. وقال الحافظ بن حجر وروى عمرو بن شبه بإسناد صحيح عن عوف بن مالك 
قال دخل علينا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المسجد فقال أما والله لا يدعنها أهلها أهلها مذللة أربعين عاما للعوافي How long will Medina be deserted? For 40 years. It will be empty. For 40 years. The reason it will be empty is because there is no ibad in that time. Nobody is worshipping. Otherwise Medina would be a, What is making Medina alive today? It is not commerce, it is not business, it is the ibadah, it is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is keeping Mecca and Medina surviving and alive today is the ummah establishing the rituals of Islam in these two holy places. When there is no people to worship anymore, then they become deserted and empty. Sign number 50, a blessed wind taking the souls of the believers. An Abi Huraira, qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إن الله يبعث ريحا من اليمن ألين من الحرير فلا تدع أحدا في قلبه مثقال حبة من إيمان إلا قبضته رواه مسلم. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says Allah سبحانه وتعالى will send a wind from Yemen a breeze that is softer than silk and it will take the soul of everyone who has even a single grain of iman in their hearts. All of the believers, their souls will be taken away. Therefore, in that time the only people who will be left are the people who have no faith whatsoever. And that is when the holy places would be deserted. In the end of time when there is no good people anymore, when there is no iman left on the face of the earth. And uh, that would also lead to the destruction of Al-Ka'bah, which is sign number 51. فَإِذَا اسْتَحَلُّوهُ فَلَا تَسْأَلْ عَنْ هَلَكَةِ الْعَرَبِ ثُمَّ تَجِيءُ الْحَبَشَةِ فَيُخَرِّبُونَهُ خَرَابًا لَا يَعْمُرُ بَعْدَهُ أَبَدًا هُمُ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَخْرِجُونَ كَنْزَةِ Rasulullah sallallahu says, the ones who will transgress, the ones who will transgress against the sanctity of Al-Ka'bah are going to be the people, its people, meaning people from this ummah. No enemy can destroy Al-Ka'bah. No enemy from outside can destroy Al-Kaaba. It will be the only time when there will be transgression against it. It is going to be when this Ummah start transgressing against the holy place. And then Rasulullah says, and when that will happen, then don't ask about the perishing of the Arabs. And then Rasulullah says, and then Abyssinia would come and they would destroy Al-Kaaba and they would take out the uh, Al-Kans, the, the treasures of Al-Kaaba. And Rasulullah specifically mentioned to us who will destroy Al-Kaaba in a hadith in Bukhari, يُخَرِّبُ الْكَعْبَةِ ذُو السُّوَيْقَتَيْنِ مِنَ الْحَبَشَةِ Rasulullah says Al-Kaaba would be destroyed by ذُو السُّوَيْقَتَيْنِ from Abyssinia. ذُو السُّوَيْقَتَيْنِ meaning his legs are very thin. And he is from Abyssinia and he is the one who will, he will break it down brick by brick. Rasulullah says he, as if I'm seeing him, bringing it down brick by brick. And that is when Al-Kaaba would be destroyed. Sign number 52, which is Al-Mahdi. And this is the last sign of the Day of Judgment that we'll talk about. Now Al-Mahdi will not be after the destruction of Al-Kaaba and Medina. Al-Mahdi is before. But I'm listing him as the last sign because he relates to the major signs of the Day of Judgment like Isa and Al-Dajjal and others. But the destruction of Al-Kaaba and Medina, this is going to be at the end of time. That is just before the Day of Judgment. Al-Mahdi is one of the minor signs of the Day of Judgment. And the Ahadith uh, leave no doubt about the truth of the coming out of Al-Mahdi. So we as the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam believe 
that there is someone named Al-Mahdi who would come out in the end of time and rule this Ummah with justice after it was ruled with oppression. And that he is from Ahl al-Bayt, from the household of Rasulullah sallallahu And that his name will be Muhammad ibn Abdullah or Ahmad ibn Abdullah. Uh, and he will be a descendant of Al-Hasan bin Ali bin Abi Talib. And he will be a descendant of Fatima, Al-Zahra, the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi And that he will uh, rule over this ummah for seven or eight years. Some ahadith about Al-Mahdi. First hadith in Sahih Muslim. لا تزال طائفة من أمتي يقاتلون على الحق ظاهرين إلى يوم القيامة قال فينزل عيسى بن مريم صلى الله عليه وسلم فيقول أميرهم تعال صل لنا فيقول لا إن بعضكم على بعض أمراء تكرمة الله هذه الأمة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says there will be a group of this ummah fighting on truth prevailing until the day of judgment this ummah will always have a group who are on the truth, fighting for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and prevailing. At the lowest times, in the worst times of this ummah, Rasulullah says there will still be people who are on the truth and fighting for the sake of this religion. Therefore, there will always be good in this ummah. What happened to the other ummah, the other nations before, will not happen to this ummah. The other nations before, they received the message from the Nabi, from the Prophet, they followed it for a while, and then they kept on declining and declining and declining until they were absolutely gone and astray from the religion. And there's no good in them anymore, and that's why Allah would send another prophet. But with this ummah, there isn't any other prophet after Muhammad ﷺ. Therefore, the ones who would revive this ummah are going to be members of this ummah. There will be members of this ummah, and they are going to be the ones who are carrying the message of Rasulullah ﷺ. And this ummah will survive until the end of time. Because of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is protected and because of the good which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in this ummah. Therefore Rasulullah says, Inna ummati kalmatar la tadri al khayru fi awalihi am akhirah. My ummah is like rain. You don't know where the benefit is. When rain falls down, during the rain you have sudden bursts of water that comes down. So it would be a sudden burst where a lot of water would come down and then it will cool off. And then you would have another burst of rain. Over here in San Diego, we don't get a lot of rain, but if you lived in rainy areas where rain would continue, for example, for four or five hours, it's not a constant rate of water that is falling down. It goes up and down. So you'd have a lot of rain, and then less rain, and then a lot of rain, and then less rain. It goes up and down. Therefore, you don't know where the good, where the khair, where the blessing is going to be, whether it's going to be in the beginning or the end. Rasulullah says, my ummah is like this. You see a lot of good coming out, and then it cools off, and he thinks that the ummah is lost, and then you find a big wave of righteousness that shows up again. You think that the ummah is dead, and it cannot be revived, and it's destroyed, and suddenly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts life in the ummah again. And that's the description that Rasulullah has given to this ummah. Another hadith narrated by Muslim, An Abi Sa'idin qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Min khulafaikum khalifatun yahthul maala hafya la ya'udduhu adda. Rasulullah says, that there will be one of your khulafa who would give out money without counting it. And this khalifa is al-Mahdi. He's not going to count money and give you a specific amount. He will just hand out. There will be so much blessing in his time that he will just hand out. The next hadith is in Musnad al-Imam Ahmad an Abi Sa'id al-Khudri qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ubashirukum bil-Mahdi 
يبعث في أمتي على اختلاف من الناس وزلازل فيملأ الأرض قسطا وعدلا كما ملئت جورا وظلما رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says I am giving you the good news of Al-Mahdi who will be sent in my ummah in times of disputes على اختلاف في أمتي there will be a lot of disputes and problems in the ummah Allah will send Al-Mahdi وزلازل and there will be a lot of earthquake problems زلازل could mean earthquake and it could mean uh, big catastrophes that, had, that are happening in the ummah it will be catastroph- uh, very disastrous times that is when Al-Mahdi will come out and Rasulullah says I am giving you the good news of Al-Mahdi and then he said he will replace the oppression and injustice of the world with justice so he would replace the injustice of the world Rasulullah would say that the world is filled the world is filled with oppression and injustice and he will come and fill the world with justice يَرْضَى عَنْهُ سَاكِنُ السَّمَاءِ وَسَاكِنُ الْأَرْضِ The dwellers of this earth would be pleased with him and the dwellers of the heavens would be pleased with him. Not only would the human beings be happy with Al-Mahdi and pleased with Al-Mahdi, but even the angels would be pleased with the Mahdi. يَقْسِمُ الْمَالَ صِحَاحًا فَقَالَ لَهُ رَجُلْ مَا صِحَاحًا قَالَ بِالسَّوِيَّةِ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ Rasulullah said, he will divide money. Sihahan, one of the companions said, what does Sihahan mean? Rasulullah said, he will give out money equally to the people. One of the biggest injustices that exist now in the Muslim world, the way money is handled. If you have the right connections, you get what you want. If you are somebody who is righteous and straight and honest, you are thrown aside. And we find that the wealth of the Ummah is blundered and abused and used for, is used for reasons against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has willed for the wealth to be spent. Therefore Rasulullah says that one of the attributes of Al-Mahdi is that he will distribute wealth equally. He will give people equally. And one of the most important roles of a government is to handle the money in the right way. So whoever because we, subhanAllah, you find that some people from certain Muslim countries or for some areas are satisfied and pleased with governments. And subhanAllah, when you try to show the injustices, some of them don't even get the point. I mean, when we're talking about injustice in money, that's not a simple thing. When there is abuse in money and people in high positions taking money that belongs to the ummah and using it as they wish and as they want, that is one of the greatest abuses of power. And one of the greatest injustices. So it's not something that is okay. It's not something that is uh, that we can we can overlook. It is a great sin. قال ويملأ الله قلوب أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم غنا ويسعهم عدله. And he will fill the hearts of the Ummah of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم with satisfaction and content. It will not be only the body is pleased. Because you find that, subhanAllah, sometimes you could be, you find a lot of people are bought off. They buy people with money. You buy a person with your money to keep them quiet. But the heart inside is not satisfied. But in the time of al-Mahdi, it's not going to be only that people are happy with the wealth they have. No, the hearts are going to be content. فَيَمْلَأْ قُلُوبُ أُمَّةْ مُحَمَّدْ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ غِنًا The hearts of the Ummah. And subhanAllah, when it gets to the heart, that is what counts. 
the hearts of the Ummah are going to be pleased and they are going to be content. And his justice will encompass all of them. They will be covered with his justice. يأمر مناديا فينادي فيقول من له في مال حاجة فما يقوم من الناس إلا رجل and he will announce to the public he will announce to the ummah who needs money who needs money and no one would respond he's asking the people and telling them who needs money and nobody would answer back except one man he would stand up and say I فينادي فيقول من له في مال حاجة فما يقوم من الناس إلى رجل فيقول ائت السدان يعني الخازن فقل له إن المهدي يأمرك أن تعطيني مالا فيقول له أحف حتى إذا جعله في حجره وأبرزه ندما فيقول كنت أجشع أمة محمد نفسا أو عجز عني ما وسعهم Al-Mahdi would tell him, go to the treasure and tell him that Al-Mahdi is telling you to give me money. So Al-Mahdi is sending him to the treasure and he is ordering the treasurer to give him the money that he needs. When he gets to the and the order of Al-Mahdi was just throw money on him. Don't count it, just hand him over money. So he goes to the uh, treasurer and he conveys the order of Al-Mahdi. So he fills all of his clothes with money, just packs it with money. And then when the man sees all of that money and he leaves, he regrets it. And he says, I was the most greedy of the Ummah of Muhammad How come I wasn't content as they were? I was the most greedy person. Now he has all of the money in his hand and he sees it and he regrets. He says, why was I greedy? Because nobody else of the Ummah says they need money, except he. So he would go back. فَيَرُدُّهُ فَلَا يُقْبَلْ مِنْهِ فَيُقَالُ لا نأخذ شيئا أعطينا. He would go back and try to return the money. The treasurer will say we, there is no returns. You cannot return it. We don't offer a 30-day guarantee on money. You cannot return it. Subhanallah. Money, you go and you beg the treasurer to accept the money and the treasurer says we don't have a return policy. فيكون كذلك سبع سنين أو ثمان أو ثمان سنين أو تسعة سنين ثم لا خير في في العيش بعده أو قال ثم لا خير في الحياة بعده. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says it will be like that for seven or eight or nine years and then there will be no good in living after that. So the time of al-Mahdi would be for seven or eight or nine years. Another hadith عن علي رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المهدي منا أهل البيت يصلحه الله في ليلة رواه أحمد علي بن أبي طالب says that رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said household of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم and Allah would guide him in one night يصلحه when something is broken and you fix it it's called إصلاح or when something is brought to the best condition it's called إصلاح when something is improved it's called إصلاح Ali ibn Abi Talib says that he heard Rasulullah say that Al-Mahdi belongs to us, the household of Rasulullah And as we said, he is from the descendants of Al-Hasan, Ibn Ali ibn Abi Talib. And what it means by Yuslihahu Allahu fi layla, Allah alam. It could mean that Allah would give him the strength and the power in one night. It could mean that Allah would guide him and give him the understanding of religion in one night. But it will happen in one night. And 
The next hadith عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو لم يبقى من الدنيا إلا يوم لطول الله ذلك اليوم حتى يبعث فيه رجلا مني أو من أهل بيتي يواطئ اسمه اسمي واسم أبيه اسم أبي يملأ الأرض قسطا وعدلا كما ملئت ظلما وجورا رواه أبو داود رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says if there was only one day left in the world Allah would make it longer until Allah sends out a man from me, from my household. His name is like my name, and the name of his father is like the name of my father. And he would fill the world with justice, like it was filled with injustice and oppression. Therefore, the name of Al-Mahdi would be like the name of Rasulullah either Muhammad or Ahmed. And the name of his father would be Abdullah, like the name of the father of Rasulullah and he will be of the descendants of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi These are the uh, descriptions of Al-Mahdi. We're done with the minor signs of the Day of Judgment. Sallallahu alayhi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3333. Or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943. Or visit our website at www.albashir.com. That's www.al-b-a-s-h-e-e-r.com. You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. Please proceed to the next CD.